This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm Lavora Barnes. The word this week, violence. Violence is infecting our political system both directly and indirectly. Last week in Lansing, one of our party's local volunteer leaders was gunned down while canvassing on behalf of a city council candidate. The shooting was not motivated by politics. Ted Lawson, secretary of the Ingham County Democratic Party, was the victim of a holdup attempt in the middle of a Sunday afternoon. He was allegedly shot by a 15-year-old who had asked him for money. It wasn't directly political. It was a random act of deadly violence, but it wouldn't have happened to Ted if he hadn't been out there knocking on doors. Street violence is something that weighs on the minds of every volunteer knocking doors. It amplifies the recommendation that when you canvass, you do it in teams of two or more, just to add a layer of safety. As tragic as this senseless murder is, even more frightening is the open advocacy of violence by some political leaders. In a time when political leaders should be speaking out against using violence in politics, some are actually encouraging it. Donald Trump regularly speaks in praise about violence, topped by his open praise for the January 6th rioters. But that certainly wasn't the first time. He's done it often. There's a link on our website to Trump's history of advocating violence. We've had more than our share of violence and intimidation attempts in Michigan, among them the April 2020 armed invasion of the Capitol, the plot to kidnap and murder our Governor Whitmer, the gun-toting protesters outside Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson's home after the election, the angry mob outside the TCF Center when the 2020 ballots were being counted, the countless death threats against public officials all across Michigan, including Attorney General Nessel. Sadly, examples are endless. We need to begin with all political leaders, Democrats and Republicans, forcefully and repeatedly speaking out against violence and against those advocating violence. There is no room for politicians who talk about Second Amendment solutions to political disagreements, and certainly no room for a candidate for president who openly encourages people at his rallies to physically attack protesters or hint that they physically assault the news media. It has to stop. There is some good news from our elected Democrats this week. While D.C. Republicans play out their leadership soap opera that's paralyzed Congress, Michigan Democrats are focused on a future that combines clean energy and good-paying jobs. In a moment, we'll be joined by State House Majority Floor Leader Abraham Ayash, who is sponsoring a package of bills that are good for the planet and good for Michigan workers. But first, an update on some of the other stories on politics and policies we're following this week with MDP's Dorian Tyus. In the news this week, Governor Gretchen Whitmer and other Michigan officials have launched a $20 million marketing campaign aimed at reversing the worst of the state population woes. The national campaign, dubbed You Can in Michigan, will target border states in 12 market areas, including New York, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Austin, and Raleigh-Durham with print digital, and other commercial advertisements promoting opportunities in Michigan. The effort also features an AI-powered website to help people find jobs in the state and compare costs of living. The ad campaign highlights job possibilities in Detroit and Grand Rapids, as well as up north cities like Traverse City and Halton. There's a link to the ad on our website, 
PartyOnThePeninsulas.com. Members of the growing Michigan Together Council, a board tasked with presenting Governor Gretchen Whitmer and legislative leaders with policy solutions to boost the state's stagnant population, heard the first recommendations Thursday from a series of work groups designed to sustain population growth in the following decades. Among the recommendations presented to the council, extending the current scope of public education from K-12 to K-14, providing two tuition-free years at a community college or a public university, and fully funding the state education system. Other recommendations included rebuilding Michigan's housing stock, expanding pre-K education, and expanding workforce development projects. Michigan Democrats are moving ahead with plans to overhaul the state's largest business incentive program in an effort to make sure the billions of dollars spent on state subsidies do more than just create jobs. A series of Senate bills introduced Wednesday would repeal the increasingly criticized Strategic Outreach and Attraction Reserve Fund and create a new Make It in Michigan fund. The new incentive program would improve accountability for companies that receive large-scale incentives, allow more legislative and community input as plans take shape, and potentially direct more projects toward areas that most need new investment, including brownfields and areas with high unemployment rates. The Michigan Senate has given final approval to legislation guaranteeing state residents can keep consumer protections for health insurance coverage even if court challenges to the Affordable Care Act prevail. The legislation would guarantee that Michigan residents cannot be denied health insurance coverage because of a pre-existing medical condition such as cancer, asthma, or diabetes. The bills aim to codify parts of the federal law known as Obamacare for Michiganders amid a new legal challenge that would again put the fate of the law in the hands of the United States Supreme Court. They would protect patients at the state level from out-of-pocket expenses for preventative care and ensure continued coverage for essential services like ambulance, riots, and birth control, ban annual and lifetime coverage caps, and let young people stay on their parents' policies until 26 years old. Voting rights advocates in Ohio have received approval of petition language for an anti-gerrymandering amendment to that state's constitution. The proposal, which is modeled after Michigan's reform, which was approved by voters in 2018, if it succeeds, it would replace Ohio's current flawed redistricting process that let Republicans gerrymander the state's maps after the 2020 census, even though the state Supreme Court repeatedly deemed the GOP district unconstitutional. The proposed independent commission will be tasked with drawing fair districts for the 2026 elections and then again each decade after the census. At its core, the amendment would remove redistricting from the hands of elected officials and place it in the hands of an independent 15-member commission made up of five Democrats, five Republicans, and five unaffiliated voters Commissioners initially would be screened by a bipartisan panel of retired judges who would in turn be chosen by the Ohio Ballot Board, an existing body of election officials appointed by both parties' leaders in the legislature. President Biden has initiated new efforts to crack down on junk fees and bring down costs for American consumers. 
Junk fees are hidden surprise fees that companies sneak onto customer bills, increasing costs and stifling competition in industries across the economy. President Biden's re-election effort will launch a pilot test of his 2024 organizing strategy in Wisconsin and Arizona next month with a new focus on digital and in-person outreach that aims to directly leverage the personal relationships of volunteers. The move comes as the Democratic National Committee has redirected its organizing efforts to a new smartphone app that encourages supporters to communicate with people in their own friend, family, and community circles, and then report those contacts back to the party's voter file. This relational organizing has become a growing part of Democratic campaigns for several cycles, outperforming traditional door-knocking and call sheet lists that volunteers have long used to contact strangers during campaigns. But the scale of what the Biden campaign in concert with the National Party is planning for the next year has not been attempted before. Link to these stories and other articles of interest are on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. For Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyus. Thank you, Dorian. On Friday, President Biden announced grants for creation of seven clean energy hydrogen hubs, which will focus on developing regional supply chains for the production, distribution, and use of hydrogen in trucks and heavy-duty vehicles. Michigan is one of seven states selected and will receive $1 billion for the effort. The project brings with it more than 13,600 direct jobs, more than 12,000 construction jobs, and 1,500 permanent jobs, all of them high-paying positions. In the legislature, bills to facilitate our clean energy future while, at the same time, strengthening our economy are moving forward this autumn. The point person for this package of bills is House Majority Floor Leader Abraham Ayash. He talked with our Walt Sorg. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. You are amongst the leaders in the legislature now on a lot of issues as the, the floor leader, but also on the issue of clean energy and how that links to job growth in Michigan. What is the connection as you see it? You can't have one without the other. I think there's an opportunity in Michigan right now as we're moving to a cleaner, greener Michigan. That also means there's a, a huge opportunity for jobs. And we're not just talking about low-wage jobs, but we're really talking about high-wage jobs that can establish careers for folks across our state. Uh, earlier this week, we introduced the Clean Energy and Jobs Act, which would allow Michigan to become an industry leader in green energy and harvesting the sun and wind to produce the energy that we need so that Michigan has reliable, sustainable energy sources, all while creating high-wage union jobs. This has been an issue in the UAW negotiations. But you see a great potential for creating new union jobs in Michigan as the transition is made to electric vehicles, which is just one of the major parts of a clean energy future. How do you see that transition going? I think if we're very intentional, then we can show the rest of the nation how we can do it right. Michigan built the middle class and we can build the clean energy middle class. And when we talk about energy and sustainability and, and moving towards a healthy climate, we're not just talking about EVs. I know EVs tend to take up a lot of the oxygen in the room, but there are so many opportunities for Michigan to become a leader in 
solar and wind energy generation and storage. These are the things that can help our state become an industry leader across America. And it will show that Michigan's open for business. It'll show families that want to come settle down here that we can be a state that will provide you an opportunity for a job with a decent wage, a dignified wage and benefits and fair and safe labor standards. And we know that only happens if we're intentional and we work the shop and design the process to make it that way. Uh, one of the pieces of legislation in Michigan House Democrats introduced is the Office of Just Transition, which means if we're going to move away from some of these older technologies towards these cleaner, newer technologies, that we are being considerate of all the workers that are currently in those spaces and that we give them a just transition into the potential for a new economy that will build a, a Michigan that will sustain our planet and our economy for decades to come. Just on Friday, an example of how those jobs are being created was announced by President Biden, announcing seven clean hydrogen hub projects across the nation, one in Michigan, which the governor says will create 13,600 direct jobs in Michigan, about 12,000 in construction, about 1,500 permanent jobs. Just the beginning for Michigan, as you see it? It's not even the tip of the iceberg. We are just getting started. Anytime you have a, a major structural change in our economy, there is the fear amongst uh, many people about change. It's human nature. One of those concerns is in the siting of solar plants, solar installations especially, but also in terms of the wind turbines. How is the legislature responding to these fears at the local level about the transition to clean energy? Completely understand the concerns. I know that I've had lots of discussions with local stakeholders on what that looks like for them. The fact of the matter is we cannot reach our climate goals and our clean energy goals if we are not doing the work necessary to roll this out as efficiently and as safely as, as possible. We introduced the Clean Energy Jobs Act to create a streamlined process that will still allow local communities to have a say in the process that allows them to have a voice as we are discussing it. And we are building robust language around making sure workers are, are not going to be taken advantage of, making sure that local communities will have strong and robust community benefits. So we believe that this is going to be a win-win for everyone. It's a win for the planet. It's a win for our communities. And it's a win for our working families that would love to see higher paying jobs that can provide them a career path for decades to come. And we believe the clean energy future will allow us to do that. And the Clean Energy and Jobs Act will make it in such a way where we are being considerate of all of those factors. Let me ask you about two timelines related to this. First, when do you see this legislation moving through? Uh, can you do it this year? And secondly, once it does move through, how quickly will the average citizen see the results? We are developing the process in the legislation for actual procedures and permitting process to actually roll out within a year of the legislation being passed. We are confident that the legislation can get done this year, and we are confident that this legislation will be considerate and mindful of local communities, working families, and uh, emphasizing the need to take care of and build a sustainable planet for decades. Representative Abraham Ayash, thank you so much for filling us in on the future of clean energy, at least one aspect of the future of clean energy in Michigan. And thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Thank you and go green. 
That's our report for this week. We thank Rep. Abraham Ayash for joining us and for updating us on the bills that combine clean energy with jobs growth in our state. I'm Lavora Barnes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Paid for by the Michigan Democratic Party, 606 Townsend, Lansing, Michigan, 48933.